Hello and welcome to Grazia Life Advice, Grazia Magazine's podcast. I'm Hattie Chrisell and each week I speak to women worth listening to, asking them to share six pieces of advice they really value and the worst piece of advice they've ever received. My very fun guest this week is the Catherine Hamlet, the fashion designer who was a pioneer of sustainability back in the 1980s and has used the slogan t-shirt to perhaps better effect than anyone else. Choose Life was one of her slogans, as worn by Wham. Choose Love was a slogan she created to raise money for help refugees. And one of her current designs is emblazoned with the words, Fashion Hates Brexit. You can buy that for £25 on katherinehamlet.com now, if you agree with her. She's a highly political woman with strong feelings on almost everything, but I also found her incredibly funny, kind and honest, especially when she admitted that she hardly follows any of her own brilliant advice. Let us know what you think of this episode on Twitter or Instagram with the hashtag Grazia Life Advice. But for now, over to Catherine. So we're this when this podcast becomes available, it will be the 29th of March. Oh my God. Very fittingly. Um, as we record this, it's the 13th of March and everything Brexit-wise is in absolute chaos as it has been really for the last two Since years. Since it started. Yeah. How are you feeling about... About Brexit. Well, I mean, it's just, why didn't they check the hard border with Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland before they even sort of having a referendum? Absolutely. It's completely insoluble. I mean, I'm desperate with her, with Jeremy Corbyn, all the politicians, how can they be so mm. stupid? I mean, I think that to be democratic, and I think that it, the country's so divided now, it's just horrendous. I mean, there's been nothing like it since the Civil Wars, I don't think, according to one of the papers that I was reading, we need to have a second referendum to check just to see if Brexit is really what we still want because I think a lot of people have changed their minds and all the young kids, one and a half million or two million, all are remain. So I think the demographic on Brexit has changed. A lot of people have died. Um, we have to have a second referendum. I'm even actually wearing a T-shirt underneath what does the t-shirt say it says quite a lot (laughs) do you want to cut here while I take my jumper off and then you can read it but it's actually how to trigger a second referendum yeah it says second referendum now the only thing that changes politicians behaviour is something that threatens their ability to get re-elected and on the back you'll have to read it because um, (laughs) I can't see that okay I'll read it Um, it tells you actually what to do because March is a great t-shirts are great but nothing works unless you follow it up with political engagement Yes. So the back says to trigger a second referendum now, write to your MP to find them, go to theyworkforyou.com and enter your postcode. And then there's a suggested letter underneath. I mean, the problem with us talking about Brexit is that with still, what, 16 days to go until the original Brexit date, although picked out of a head and will probably not go through now but god knows even what situation we'll be in by the time this podcast comes out so oh god help us <laughs> so Catherine, you're you're famous for your for, for using slogans to brilliant effect as you are with your brexit t-shirts anti-brexit t-shirts what do you think is the power of the slogan t-shirt i think the fact that you can't not read it yeah you know i mean my idea is to be seminal it's to get inside people's brains you know, the thought kind of whirs around, micturates and makes you hopefully think and as a consequence act and do the right thing. Yeah. Do you think it it can really change someone's mind, a good slogan? 
Choose Love's not bad. It's lovely, yes. It's very... Isn't it? I mean, it's a very good piece of advice to do with, like, anything. Yes. I mean, doing the washing up, doing a tax return. How would you apply it to doing the washing up? You have to do it with love. You have to think of all the people that... You're washing up for. Yeah, that had delicious meals off this cutlery <laughs> and how many more and make it all lovely for them yeah. next time and rinse the glasses so they're all sparkly and, you know, just do it really properly and really beautifully. It's a nicer and way to live. And you feel better. It's the, yeah, it's the best way to live. I mean, family, rows, discords. <sighs> Remember that one because it's really easy to get carried away in the wrong direction. Yeah, and forget to choose love. And kill each other, you know. <laughs> um, you're an activist through and through. I mean, we're, we're not long into this podcast and you've already been activisming all over the place where do you think that instinct came from in you i don't know i suppose it's probably the way i was brought up were your parents very politically engaged well my father was a defense attaché i mean he actually worked for the other side um <laughs> you know he was like a cold war head of the spies in romanian bulgaria during the suez crisis and fascinating much the cabinet office with harold wilson very suspicious of harold he thought he was a communist spy Wow. Because there were only three people that knew what we were going to do at a certain point in time. The Russians always knew before, and Daddy was sure that the other guy was sound, so it had to be Harold. Wow. It's interesting, huh? Yeah. Especially in the light of everything that's been going on in America and Catalonia and Andalusia with, you know, interference, mm -hmm. that it's probably been going on a lot longer than we think. It's maybe going on now in Brexit. So did your parents talk to you about politics a lot? Yes and no. I mean, I knew what my father did, um, but he signed the Official Secrets Act, so he couldn't talk about anything, really. I mean, he'd literally come back, remain, he'd come back from a two-day trip with bullet holes in the windscreen and three broken ribs and not be able to say oh what happened. God. So, not, you know, if we were going to talk, we had to go into the bathroom and flush the toilet and turn the... <laughs> And turn the bath on, and he'd say, now, what did you say? I'd be saying, like, why are these two cars of secret police following us around everywhere we go, you know? Oh, my goodness. Like being five a microphones film. dug out of the living room, which makes me... I'm very chary about using things like Facebook. Yeah. I just can't. It's because something you don't trust the privacy. I'm just to so obsessed with leaving no trace and being as discreet and as invisible as possible. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say you're invisible and I wouldn't no, say I you've left I no trace. I failed on that one, yeah. I mean, I went to school in France as well when I was a kid and the French take no shit. <laughs> and I think there's, you know, and it was pretty tough. It was literally, you know, you learn French in three months or you're dead. And so that, I didn't die, but in the process I learned to stand up for myself in a minority of one. Yeah. And you're never frightened to... Stand up for yourself. Sometimes it's scary, but it's you have to. I mean, you have to stand up for what you think is right. Yeah. I think, even if it comes at personal risk, but don't take stupid ones. Yeah. You know, like marching is getting dangerous. You know, activism. Look what's happening in Turkey. I think um, marching T-shirts, you know, are fine as long as you're not going to get shot at. Mm. But if you really want to change the system, we have to do what's on the back of the T-shirt and call our elected representatives to account mm. and make them represent our views because we pay their wages. We elect them to represent our views. They, some of them think maybe they're elected to take decisions on our behalf, but they're not. In a true democracy, we wouldn't even need them. Mm. I mean, I think we need to devolve because our political system is like blatantly not working, like the farce of Westminster 
I mean, the idiocy, why is she even taking jets to Brussels when she could be doing FaceTime? Mm, absolutely, yeah. You know, I mean, it's so crap. Yeah. Well, a lot to think about there, but let's start with your advice. Um, so your first piece of advice is don't react. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you mean by don't react? Listen to what people... that You don't get into a combative situation. Okay. Listen to what somebody's saying and then try to deal with it calmly. Because think situations can escalate, people stop listening. Um, it's a way about controlling yourself, assessing the situation. And then, if you're going to say something, make sure that it's something that contributes positively to problem-solving, maybe. Mm. So it's about being reflective rather than... Uh, knee-jerk. Knee-jerk, absolutely. Yeah, think before you speak. Is that something think you're good you at? Act. No, I'm crap at it. <laughs> Is that why it's one of your pieces of advice? Yeah, I keep on reminding myself, you know, sort of a list of things I should have kind of written on the inside of my glasses. <laughs> Don't react. Yeah, choose love. <laughs> okay, it's good to know that some of this advice is advice oh, for yeah. yourself. Oh, yeah. great. For, yeah, it's advice for myself, you know. Yeah. And your second piece of advice, perhaps related, is anger is hell. Oh, it's the Buddhists say that. I really think okay. I found Buddhist philosophy really useful. Yeah. I, mean, I actually did divinity at school. It's one of the subjects. So everybody said, like, what? You did divinity? Yes, <laughs> I think it's really interesting. But I think the Buddhists are super useful. They're very like Christianity, um, but more practical. Right. And I love this anger is hell because we, it is, you know, it's, this is how we really mess up. When we get angry, we become destructive, you know, war, anger, very closely related, biggest environmental disasters. If you start to feel angry, you've got to learn to channel that rush of energy into creativity, into, first of all, I think, seeing how you're responsible for the situation and finding a, you know, a creative, positive way out of it. You know, it gives you it's a huge rush of energy which you can channel into finding a positive solution rather than being destructive. Yeah. So, I mean, I suspect that you're somebody who feels angry fairly regularly, with, you know, angry with the world. How do you control that and channel it? Well, you could say T-shirts, positive action. Yeah. Um, but do you trying to do have to stop and sort of breathe for a minute and walk around the block and then decide what to do or mm, not so, I try to do to actually think do something that would solve the problem <laughs> well what else are you going to do tear your hair out your third piece of advice again sort of related I think is the best thing to do with resentment is forget it it's genius <laughs> it's so liberating so what kind of resentment are you thinking of oh god all of them really mm. any form of resentment you know somebody cuts you up and you're driving let them go mm. you know somebody steals your boyfriend mm. maybe you know get a, better get rid of him now than um you know somewhere along the line when you've got seven or eight kids you know yeah um just literally letting it go and just moving on because there's people they just spend their time chewed up in rancor about things that happened in the past trying to get even or score points it's just complete waste you know life's too short and beautiful to be messing around with that kind of thing i mean it just try it i would say to your 
to our listeners, just try it and see if it works. But I think it's hugely helpful. Just let it go. Yeah, just let it go. I mean, don't let yourself be run, you know, walked over or bullied or whatever. But, you know, know that there's something wrong with the person that's doing it and it's not their fault. It's probably the way they were brought up or whatever. Just, like, set the record straight and move on. Yeah, yeah. Well, all of these are very, very comforting pieces of advice so far. So you, you're fourth one. I hope it would be too mumsy. I just thought, oh, God, I'm sorry, really mumsy here. <laughs> but mumsy advice is always great advice, what I do think. Do you think? So, I yeah, put my, a my, my head to the Murray Teresa look for the rest of this interview. <laughs> Your fourth piece of advice is actually, well, it's it's more complicated. It's about how to be happy, but it's um, it relates back to Buddhism again. When did you first get interested in Buddhism? Oh, it was my sister, the brains of the family, who oh, really? yeah, started talking to me about it in the late 70s, early 80s, and she was on it. She gets on it. She was like, oh, you know. <laughs> and so, yeah, I kind of read up, read up on it, and I do find it um, just very useful, very common sense, very practical. Mm. Do you consider yourself a Buddhist? No, because, you know, I drink and smoke and swear and I'm not <laughs> okay. a particularly good person. Um, but I try to be as Buddhist as I can. I, you know, I couldn't claim to be a Buddhist. I mean, I don't chant unless it's for parking space. <laughs> <laughs> and it never fails. It's really scary. Really? Really scary, mm-hmm. yeah. The, Interesting. <clears throat> my Shirin Dishonin. Lotus Sutra, Nam Yohorengi Kyo, for a parking space. Try it. Report back. <laughs> I will. We'll have a country full of people chanting now. No, but it's amazing. Everybody gets parking spaces. Yeah. Um, so talk me through what, you, what you've said for your fourth piece of advice. It's, you said it's an eightfold path. Well, it's about, you know, the only thing that Buddhists say, the only thing that living things want to be is happy, mm. which is true. Dogs, yeah. cats, worms, mice. Humans. Humans. Um, breaks the tears um, <laughs> and so how to be happy and then you sort of look that up you can look at somebody like Aristotle and he would say to everybody knew sort of in, when he was writing 350, 450 BC that the only way to have a happy life is to lead a good life what's good Buddhists say the good life is the eightfold path which is right thinking right acting, right concentration right livelihood and, you know, I don't meditate, but I try to be a decent person. In the 80s, um, we were on this sort of, you know, trying to run the business, being a decent human being rather than being a bastard, you know, and make it successful. And I thought, well, you know, it was all going ridiculously well. But I thought, there's something wrong. I just I just need to check because it's all a bit too good to be true to see if we're in line with right livelihood. Mm-hmm. And so we did research on to the impact social and environmental of the clothing and textile industry, just to make sure, because I thought, you know, we're just making silly frocks, we can't be doing anything wrong, it's like cotton and grows. You know. Oh, my God. Mm, yes. You know, it was completely Can life-changing. Oh, life-changing, you know, up to your neck in a living nightmare, really, yeah. on every level, whether it's the production of raw materials, natural, synthetic, dyeing, tanning, mining for the minerals that you need for these processes and then the whole human rights on the garmenting issue Mm. so um that was a bit life-changing yeah (laughs) (laughs) and what are you going to do you know and it's about can you carry on yeah and so that sort of changed everything for me You, you were a real pioneer in sustainability um and i imagine one of the first fashion designers in the uk to really start taking it very 
Oh, was the first for the record? The first, sorry. Yeah, was, no, Apologies. No, but I'm just being big-headed. <laughs> As or, you should be. Yeah, blowing my own trumpet. But, but yeah, I was the first person that pointed out there's anything actually going on. You must. Wrong. I mean, you were sort of you were swimming absolutely against the tide at that point. Mm. Um, do you feel encouraged by the fact that now the tide eventually does seem to be turning, and that young fashion designers are very interested in sustainability? Well, not now? just that. I mean, huge groups like Kering won that prize for yeah. the world's most sustainable fashion company. I mean, everybody's taking it on board. I mean, there was they have to, but they have to. You know, it's fantastic. You know, it's tragic it's taken so long, but it's fantastic what's happening now because it's a tsunami, Yeah. you know, of intention. I mean, reading, you know, a cynical way of looking at it is that they're just reading the consumers and all the consumers should research. But in a way, who cares? I mean, if the result is that things improve. Exactly, it doesn't matter if people do the right thing, even if they do it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. I mean, there's some standard and poor report saying that, you know, it's either, this is about 10 years ago, it's either go sustainable or lose your business. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's fantastic that it's been taken that seriously, but it's still not been taken seriously enough. Yeah. You know, there's still huge gaps, huge lags in areas that are being attended to. Yeah. So just talk me through briefly what your brand um, has put into place in terms of sustainability. We've joined the Fairware Foundation. Uh, we manufacture in Italy at the moment because it's easier well easier and harder but I'm very keen because I've got a history of working in the Veneto for the last 40 years and I know these incredible skills that they have down there and I'm very keen they're not lost because they take a lifetime to acquire so we're working down there preserving traditional skills all our materials are as sustainable as we can possibly get them we use only use organic cotton um we're using recycled polyester. This is recycled polyester and recycled it's down. Fantastic coat that you're this wearing is the today. First yeah. recycled down coat. Really? Yeah. But I would also be happy if it had recycled polyester wooding. Um, we use silk. Um, I'd like to use piece silk or organic silk, but the price on it is so prohibitive that we're using conventional silk, which is a shame. Mm. Um, but at least it doesn't use pesticide because obviously the silk worms or an insect and they'd be killed but it does use fertilizers um so it's still a work in progress oh god i mean i think it'll always be in progress because you know our sort of mantra is making it ethically and as environmentally as possible because even if you've got everything squeaky you're still shipping it around yeah and so you've still got your co2 emissions so you're never going to be able to do it perfect but if you could offset those like if we could drive demand for organic cotton, agriculture, I mean, that is one of the most amazing changes that could happen in the clothing industry, but whether it ever will or not, I don't know. It would take about mm. 3,000 years at the present rate, I calculated. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not that encouraging when you put it like that. Um. But, you know, it's a carbon sink and it pulls carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere and it keeps it on the ground, as do all man-made fibres. I mean, looking at tensile desperately scurrying around in the office coming here, I've got to get this perfect tensile to make a suit for Alessandra Ocasio-Cortez who I'm in love with she <gasps> oh, hasn't asked me to her. I love her <laughs> I was just fantastic. looking at her today I was just googling her images she's such a bombshell this is the congresswoman American congresswoman who um, is the yes, youngest con- con- congresswoman ever she's 29 Yeah, but she dresses chic so you're going to make her something? Well, I'm going to make her loads. <laughs> I'll send it to her. You know, I would adore 
to, I mean, to have women like her wearing my clothes would be my dream, to make clothes that would empower women like that, that make them know that they felt, looked fantastic and yet they felt completely comfortable and capable of, yeah. you know, supported them, you know, kept them up there during their incredibly long days and hard days work, feeling fabulous. Of being bullied be by, great. Uh, yeah. Attempted bullied. Yeah. By Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> the Green Deal thing. Did you catch that? No, I didn't. The Green Dream or whatever. Did you hear her? Anyway, squish Nancy, sorry. People are very rude, rude yeah. to her, but we think she's fantastic at Grazia. Oh, I think she's amazing. Um, Goddess. She is a goddess. So your fifth piece of advice is from Shakespeare. Tell me what this is. Is it first unto thyself be true? Yeah. And it shall follow the night day that thou shalt be true to every man. I'm sure I've garbled it because it's something I learned at Beautiful. school. Beautiful. So what does it mean? It just means you've got to be true to yourself, do what you believe in. Yeah. You know, say what you think. You know, be honest. And then everybody will be honest with you. Yeah. You know, but it's the most important thing for keeping your soul, I think, as much as anything else, because it's very easy to compromise yourself out of existence. Yeah, it's integrity, really, isn't it? It's very damaging. Yeah. I think moral compromises are very, very damaging. I really think they eat the soul. You mean if you're doing things that you really don't believe in? You're even working in a job, you know, where you don't believe, you know, that you don't believe that it's the right thing, then you should move. Yeah. You know, or, t- you know, taking shit. Yeah. You know, but it's just very important to say how you feel. Yeah. And not be afraid of the consequences. When you say the Shakespeare quote again, for anybody who didn't catch it, please. First unto thyself be true, and then it shall follow as the night day that thou shalt be true to every man. That's lovely. I love that. I think that might be the first time we've had Shakespeare on the Grazia Life Advice podcast. Oh, I love Shakespeare. <laughs> Um, if he was a Spanish gay, I'd marry him now. <laughs> <laughs> um, your sixth piece of advice is is the most practical, I think, of all of your advice today. Tell me what it is. It's about apple crumble. Oh, the apple crumble recipe. Yeah. Oh, there was actually one more uh, piece of advice okay. that I forgot to include in the list okay. that I submitted earlier, um, which is like, it is... Taoist, and it's like the only way out of shit is joyous. It's I'll paraphrase it because I'm sure they put it in a much more dainty and delicate and polite way, <laughs> but it is the only way you get out of a hole. You know, if there's something going wrong or something, everything going wrong out of you is with joy and enthusiasm. That's lovely as well. Well, it just it's to help. How do you how do you apply that? In just your... you know, if you're feeling down in the dumps about work or whatever, don't don't, don't just think. No deep breath, attack, get them. You know, it can't be marvelous yet. It's going to be make it marvelous. If you can dream it, it can happen. Yeah. So the apple crumble recipe. Apple crumble. Yeah. Well, I'm a cook in a secret cook. Um, my sort of dream of cooking like food is like English Sunday dinner because if it's cooked by a French person. Right. So apple crumble, easiest thing in the world to make, unbelievably delicious. But the trick is if you get almonds in their shells and you chop them finely and you mix them into the crumble mixture, they make the whole thing go incredibly crunchy and delicious on the top. And you think the skins would be disgusting and they taste bitter, but they've got a beautiful... Don't know. I can't say that it's, you know, you could. I could take the piss and say it's toasted cardboard, but it's <laughs> b- 
beautiful kind of nutty flavour that they add to the whole thing, this incredible texture. Anyway, try it, folks. So it's almonds with their skin skin on? Yep. Yeah. Not the shells. Not the shells. Not the shells. Just I think you skins, said shells. The brown skins. Did no, I say shells? No, do not put shells in oh the apple crumble. Oh, my God. <laughs> Should we do this all over again? <laughs> no, um, yeah, watch out for shells, not the shells. <laughs> It sounds very good there. I'm it going is to try good. This. It's practically cheating. It's that good. Do you cook a lot? Well, I've, I have two sons, and you know, so we're quite old now. So I've cooked since I was twenty. Yeah, I suppose, and I don't follow recipes, but I'm very good at copying what I've eaten. Oh, good. That's a yeah. Good I scale. can do that. Like if I'm in Morocco, I'm a tagine. I'm just like I can work it out while I can remember what it tastes like. Yeah. And I love food, you know. Yeah. Like, oh, God, just talking about it. I can hear my tummy rumbling. <laughs> um, yeah, and lived in France. And obviously, as a fashion designer, probably eaten in most of the best restaurants in the world. Yeah. You know, stayed in hotels with the best restaurants in the world. Like, oh, my perk. God, so utterly, utterly spoiled. <laughs> so I love food, but I also like food that only takes half an hour to cook. Yeah. You know, some speed queen. Yeah, well, but I only eat organic. That. I mean, I've only given my family organic mm. ever. Because they knew all the things that were wrong with pesticide. Yeah, once you know, yeah, you can't absolutely. win. Though. No, what it is, it's really damaging. It's a real roller coaster. This uh, this conversation. Sorry. Very positive, and then quite worried a moment later. Well, okay, I lighten up on the panic attack. <laughs> what was the um, the piece of bad advice um, you received? You've you've written something very cryptic, which is one for the ditch. Yeah, come on, come on, let's have another drink. Oh, one for the ditch. <laughs> one for the ditch. Don't you know that? No, I've never aged, heard that. Yeah, it's probably World War Two or something. So it's like, have one more before we go home? Yep. <laughs> or keel over. Is that something you've fallen victim to before, one for the ditch? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, we were terrible. You know, in the 80s, we were terrible. Yeah. Like, everybody's trying to get into the newspapers. We were just trying to keep out of them. <laughs> Are you a party animal? I love parties. Do you? Still? Yep. Good for you. That's a great way to live, I think. Thank you so much, Catherine. You've been a brilliant guest. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much to Catherine. Visit catherinehamlet.com to shop her sustainable and beautiful fashion line and perhaps pick up an activist T-shirt. If you like the Grazia Life Advice podcast, please help us out by subscribing, rating it, reviewing it or sharing it. See you next week for more advice from women worth listening to. Listener.